Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I was going to ask you, where are you these days? Where in the world is Rod Benson? Don't say these days because that implies that this is like a long-term choice. This is just a, a holiday thing that is now winding down. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah. That is not sounding too bad though, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, if you like it literally, and I don't say this lightly, literally raining every second of your life. Man, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm not with it like that. Yeah, no, it is unrelenting, <clears throat> nonstop rain. You check the weather report and it's like, how do you feel about the next month? Just one big droplet. <laughs> Just the entire time. Uh, that's Chris. Looks like he's setting up his... That's London. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Chris. How you doing, brother? Good, man. Oh, this man got a got a jazz voice, nigga. You ain't say that. <laughs> everybody in Berkeley, got, everybody in Berkeley got these deep ass voices, nigga. Goddamn. What is that? What they was looking for when they was drafting y'all? It's <laughs> <laughs> a prerequisite. <laughs> Your voice is mad deep. People say my voice is deep, and I really don't agree. When I hear yours, it's like it's, you sound like you've been eating like Legos or some shit. Like it, it just got stuck in your esophagus. <laughs> down, down Eat, eating Legos, huh? That's my question. How does that relate to deep voice? Eat Legos? I don't know. It's just, what, it's just the words that came to my mouth. You know what? Hey, I can like see that. it though. <laughs> uh, so Chris and Devon, you guys haven't met, right? No. No. How you doing, man? Good, good. I was going to say, what's your brother's name, Rod? It's Chris. Okay, because I was going to say, man, Chris looks different. I, I, <laughs> yeah, he's really been letting his hair grow out from, from straight to bald. I mean, to... It's been a couple years, but man. <laughs> from bald to dreads, what a transformation. Wow, that's the name of your book. Uh, from bald to dreads. Uh Devon, what have you? What, what's been going on with you lately, man? I haven't talked to you in a in a minute. I think the last time I saw you, you were at my house. Your daughter was painting on one of my canvases, maybe yeah. uh, a year, a year and a half ago. So, what's what's been going on with you since I last seen you? Man, just trying to survive COVID. <laughs> it's uh, true. It's been a it's been an interesting year for for a number of reasons, but um. Just really, yeah, it's just trying to survive COVID, lead the family through it. That's really the big thing. It's it's, it's an unprecedented time and just kind of, you, you know, I feel like be, you got to be ready for the, for something like this to lead through this type of challenge, especially when you got kids looking at you. I see a lot of people panicking. You know, I don't I don't get what the what the issue is with like toilet tissue and stuff like that. Like that was Just to do it. That was one of the things I was like, the last thing on my mind was toilet tissue. Like, I have so many other options I would do before I panicked about that. <laughs> it was a trying Literally, to go back to the outhouse days, bro. Like, in Rome, you had to use your hand. That's why you shake with the left. That's I mean, it was so, you can watch Castaway. They use leaves. There's so many things you can do before you panic. 
my shower is literally like a foot away from my tub. I could do that every time. <laughs> <laughs> See, you you got good plumbing. Some of these people out here got hairballs, man. It's gonna just gonna get all y'all your feet yeah. and just sit there like a little pool, bro. Yeah. This is a black family. No black family's ever had hairballs clogging up their drains. It just doesn't. Man. I haven't seen it. It's, it's definitely a white lady thing. Hey, hey, unless it's a new house, you never know. It stays. It's like stripper. Um, uh, what's what's the stuff called? The uh, shit. That gets if on it's you. something to do with Looks strippers, like I have no clue. The fairy stuff. It's like glitter. Uh, glitter. glitter. There we go. Like stripper glitter. Like stripper glitter. It always shows up. It's like ah, ha ha ha. <laughs> you said when you said what's that stripper shit that always gets on you? I was like, please don't go there. Whatever you about to say, I don't want to know. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a good point you made though, Devon, about uh, people panicking. Because one thing Chris and I, Chris played football in Michigan. One thing that we always talk about is just like how athletes see things differently. And you've played yeah. basketball in a lot of corners of the world, same as I have. It would be hard to panic. It, I've been in places where maybe there wasn't toilet paper, and I had to like kind of figure it out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there is. Oh, have you played in China? <laughs> China is the worst. I know how this sounds. I fucking don't like China, and I'm the I'm the one guy telling everyone visit Asia. It's doper than you think. Just subtract China from that from that travel list. But I don't but, like. But it. not all of China, because Hong no. Kong is actually super dope. That's Hong British Kong ain't Hong Kong different though, my, uh, my guy. Hong <laughs> Kong British is different. It's, it's different. That's like saying don't go to Florida, but also Miami's lit. Like <laughs> Fort Lauderdale, it's it's close, but it's not the same. Tampa is not at all Miami. There's parts near Georgia where I don't even know what the fuck that is. Just gators and racist. <laughs> China's a big place. <laughs> It is a huge place, and most of it is is absolutely as you described. I will co-sign everything you said, one hundred percent. Like I literally would leave practice to go back to my hotel to shit. I would not shit at the gym. <laughs> it I wouldn't mean, happen. It's not a lot of gym shitting in general, but yeah, I do. I mean, I, I've been known to shit like maybe right before a game, like eight minutes before something just happens. You know, like, where did this come from? <laughs> Butterflies <laughs> <Would you, laughs> and shit. Would you go home? You'd go home right at that moment. <laughs> Couldn't come back to oh, the arena. You. I'd be gone. Practice is <laughs> over at that yes. point. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I told him too. <laughs> what do you say, Chris? I said I share that sentiment. I'm like, Mm-mm. if it's gross, bro. I've I've gone to some uh, some locker room bathrooms. It's like you know what? I guess we we gonna make it through. We gonna have to find mm. a way because I'm not, I'm not using that. I'm not gonna do that. That's not happening, bro. The I'm Dominican. The Dominican. You, did you play in Dominican, Devon, or Puerto Rico? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I played in Dominican. <laughs> the the arenas were were fine, but like the locker rooms beforehand would be so like it'd be like the size of a very like a studio apartment, and just like everything kind of old and like hot and just mosquitoes everywhere. And then there's like one toilet in the back that like faces everybody. And so you you really trying to <laughs> really trying to lock eyes as you take this shit, my guy. In 200 degrees. I swear he's not lying. He's not what lying. Was the, um, what was the youth thing called for y'all? Because for in Detroit, it's called Powell, the Police Athletic League or whatever. That's the, the big main one. And there were some gyms that were had to be refitted prisons, bro. Because you went into the bathroom and the locker rooms. You were like, oh, shit. This, no, am I locked up now? Was this a setup, nigga? Like, what the fuck is this shit? So oh, I, yeah. what was... 
you all as a youth league, did you have that problem there? Is it really just once you start going overseas, you were like, oh no, Pete, this is out of hand. No, I had one in, in uh in growing up, man. We played at a in a little we played in games called the EOYDC, the Eth the East Oakland Youth Development Center. And it's just as hood as it sounds, bro. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is not one word in that alone sounds bad. It's false. I think there's a white All person. Between. No, no, hold on. I think there's a white person listening like Wow, a youth development center for East Oakland. That sounds great. Nah, <laughs> when you put all those words, it's probably on a street called like Lincoln or MLK, and E14. it's probably fucking trash. East 14. East 14. Rob, you, I'm, I'm sure I've taken you by there before at some, at some point because uh, we, we've been on East 14 before. <laughs> Man, I've definitely yeah. been near there. I don't know if I've been into that place. Yeah, EOYDC was and and man, we used to have that little gym turn. And when you hear the shots outside, just get down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is where my card up by the sea is showing. The youth leagues there were quite nice. The level of basketball was trash, but but it was uh, quite nice. Guy. It was this fucking it was guy. okay. <laughs> Rod dominated. <laughs> the fucked up part is I didn't at all. <laughs> These white kids were <laughs> white kids are so good at basketball before black kids get their athleticism. But before my jumping kicked in, these motherfuckers were dominating me. And I had to do it. Once, I, once I got that speed and quickness, it was over, but it took a long time, man. I was I'm gonna let you live. That's why Rod had to turn. That's why Rod had to Rod had to learn how to talk shit like a white boy. traditional shit. Bro. Rod does little shit to get under your skin that just you like <laughs> Cuts little holes in your jersey and shit. Like <laughs> that's because Rod grew up with Tanners and uh, Kyle's going, "Hey, fucking bro, bet you can't Bruh. even fucking ollie, dude. Like Bruh. your jumper's so trash." Your Kyle, was- Kyle, and JJ were quite nice. <laughs> JJ went to the. This is true. JJ went to Air Force Academy, and Kyle was the greatest eighth grade basketball player I've still ever seen. He just is exactly that same guy now, same height, weight. And everything else. I also but in eighth grade, he was the truth. I also have to disagree with you on that because um, D- Jake had me doing a, a, a refereeing thing out here for like a winter because that uh, that league that we played in, the yeah. refs were like, "You should just do this refing thing. It's it's fun pastime thing, fam." I forgot how shitty young people are at basketball. I was doing some of these, I was doing some of these, reffing some of these Jewish, uh, like middle schools and shit. I was like, you should give it up, player. I was yeah. like, stop now. I was like, today, don't do it anymore after today. Go home and give it up. Just play 2K. But the, the funny thing is, they love it so much, like they will never stop. They will play until they're old. Like they, right. yep. the Jewish community loves basketball so much. It's not funny, man, but no, they a lot of them that's that's funny. You just reminded me, Devon, because you said the EOYDC, and I was like, man, it was quite nice where I was. That's because I was at the JCC. Everybody, everybody knows the JCC, the Jewish Community Center. Yeah, I'm playing against 65 year old Zevs and fucking you know, folks out here. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real, sweaty as fuck, getting pushed around, but they're like, hey, man, it's gonna, it's gonna help you in the future. Like, nice to me about it. <laughs> And that's that's that was the environment I learned basketball. You're gonna be a big guy. You gotta learn now. You're gonna be a big guy. You know I love the hoop with Adam Sandler. I heard he loves to play basketball. <laughs> bruh, bruh, his his highlights are truly just a very good old 
man playing basketball. Like an old white man plays basketball like Adam Sandler. Like he'll do a no oh, look yeah. pass, but off of like a, a a fundamental gather for a jumper. You know what I mean? Like, and then, <laughs> like it's never it's never anything too saucy. It's like oh the pass went that way. Oh you see that shit, did you? Oh. <laughs> I'm not I'm not hooping with him for his athletic ability. I really want to get sound bites, right? <laughs> Like, for Adam the Sandler record, sound bites while you're hooping. For like the record, I feel like you can't. If it's Adam Sandler, that's all people want you to do. I feel like he's just <laughs> silent. Just so, Chris, for the record, Devon had—I don't think he still has—the uh, like highest vertical jump I've ever seen for a guy near seven foot in my life, and I mean that like more than like Amari, more than like maybe like Obi Toppin level. Like I'm not exaggerating one bit. This dude's head would be at or above the rim. And it was so... And the thing is, when I came in to college, because we both went to Cal, 6'10", I had a 36-inch vert, which means I could touch about 12, 12 2. And people would be like, man, Rod, that Rod Benson is a leaper. And Devon jumped probably a clear, <laughs> like, 10 inches higher than me. And I like people couldn't find the words. <laughs> if Rod's a leap, we already used the word leaper to describe this motherfucker. They're like, all right, all right, all right, <laughs> what all right, do we call this on. dude? They said, okay, you know what? We've played ourselves. Yeah, uh, it's like fuck. calling an E class a supercar, and then a real supercar drives up, and you're like, oh, that's that's not this is not the same. So, oh, oh, this nigga's just a Chrysler 300. This is a bit. <laughs> Chrysler <laughs> 300. No, our layup lines, man. Back before the games. Our layup lines were so stupid because we had a bunch of athletes on our team. I mean, we had Dominic McGuire went our that first year, who was he was athletic as hell. Uh, Marquise Cately, who was fat and athletic for some reason. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> we, we had, we had uh, who else did we have? I know we had uh, no Omar wasn't there that year. Um, out of the freshmen, I think I was really the only athletic one. Like Kevin Langford. <laughs> In your class, you had a weird, you had such a, Devon came in with all this bounce, size, and strength, and then he came in with, like, two white guys and a black dude who didn't give a fuck. Like, I don't think any of the three of them even liked basketball. And, like, it was so confusing and tormenting for Devon, because Devon really wanted to succeed and had a super high ceiling. And all they did was not give a fuck. And I really gravitated toward those people. <laughs> and, oh, my God. And really, and really just made fun of the fact. It was like a kid who cared about class and no one, and everyone else didn't. So it just it just sucked for him that you we all just win? were like, but you why nerd. are you caring? Yeah, you fucking nerd. Why do you care about this? You have a 100%. Future? Like, Rod, Rod tormented me my first year. And it wasn't a torment like, like I said. He talked shit like a white boy, so he never went like straight at me. That was me going straight at him. He didn't do that. Rod would do other shit to just fuck with you, and it was like shit that had me just like looking for him around town. And sometimes, like I would be like, "Yo, where the fuck is Rod?" Just like, <laughs> made a music video. Devon really tries hard. Devon. <laughs> no, but, I, but <laughs> I'll tell the funny. story. I'll tell the story. I'll tell the story that we always tell. Can, yeah, can I tell well, it? Just, before before you tell it, I just want to yeah. say this because I was I was actually reading this book yesterday, and it was uh it's it's just talking about just kind of relationships and 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 attractions to different people, and it says the people that you um that you uh that you start off with friction with and then come around and, and end up liking later are the people that you end up having like kind of the strongest connection with, and that, and I and mm. as soon as I heard that, I thought about you like man, I hated Rod my first guy. <laughs> 
Like, I just wanted him to do the th- the right thing over so I could fight him and it wouldn't get me in trouble. Yeah. But no, he, he, he never knew that. That's not this game. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was until we actually started playing together on the court. Was that what my, my when was that, right? Probably my your sophomore junior year. year. Yeah, I read two years behind me then. Yeah, your sophomore year, yeah. Yeah, your my freshman sophomore year. It was not. I mean, I had a lot of maturing to do too. It's, it's funny. I talk about this all the time. In college basketball, I think like kind of everyone hates each other a little bit at least, like because oh, sure. of the environment that they put you in and the drills they make you do. We talked about this with the Mecca Okafor actually. Like, I'm pretty sure I didn't really like anybody for four years. Like, it's like I could tolerate this person a little bit more. So, and then the, I, I like these freshmen who didn't care because it made if there was no friction there. Like, shit, you don't care, I don't care. Great, we don't have to battle at all. You know what I mean? But mm. with Devon, it was immediately like, first of all, like they say in love and basketball, like never let a freshman take your spot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but second of all, we actually were more alike than we seemed. I, I really did. When I came in as a freshman, I was very similar and I cared a fuckload, especially about school. And then Richard Midgley basically like single-handedly like hit me until I stopped caring. And to give you a frame of reference about who Richard is, because uh, I know you've seen Ted Lasso, Chris. The, the dude, like the older guy who like is mad all the time in Ted Lasso, yeah. that that was my yeah. college roommate for yeah. four years. He just didn't give a fuck about anything, like a fuck <laughs> about anything oh, other than basketball. God. And like, <laughs> like it came out that he like started drinking at age 12 and like nobody batted an eye. Meanwhile, I like just picked up a drink like three months ago and everyone's like, Rod. Are you sure? Like, are you going to be okay? I'm like, we've been drinking for nine years. Like, what is the problem? I don't understand. But the, the, the story like I wanted it. to tell like that it, I, I told this, I'm pretty sure, at Devon's wedding, and we'll probably tell it a hundred more times in our lifetime. You know, we all knew Devon cared, and frankly, yeah, we didn't. I mean, I secretly did, but I think also I was, like, kind of hurt when you were, like, for a while. So it was this weird time, but... So Devon lived with the three other freshmen in a dorm that was kind of like a house, but it was te- it was technically a dorm, but four people lived in it that had a living room and a kitchen and all that. And he would keep all of his stuff like marked, like Devon's shit under his bed because people would eat it or maybe because he was a bit just still a freshman, a bit anal about shit that he didn't need to be anal about. And I could see through it being a couple <laughs> years older and his teammates, his freshman teammates did not care if I fucked with them. So... He was very specific about his his cinnamon toast crunch. I opened the bag. I didn't actually eat any of this, by the way. I took probably a tiny handful because shit, we're all broke. Times is hard. I'm not trying to really waste a man's food, to be to be quite frank. But I took a tiny handful and just dropped like one piece here, like another like four feet away, another leading to the kitchen <laughs> where like the piles got a little bigger into a bowl where I left like four of them in there with the spoon and like a two drops of milk. That just walked out and just left everyone else to deal with the consequences. Never even fucking saw Devon's face. Just, I just know he had to be fucking hot when he saw this shit. So he never, he never saw my face. This, this asshole never saw my face. He heard, That's some Tom he, he and Jerry bullshit. That's so ridiculous. Man, you petty piece he, of he, shit. 
I promise you, that's the only reason he wanted me. That's the only reason he wanted me on the podcast today was to tell that story because he knows it's the pettiest shit ever. Honestly, <laughs> you deserve a retroactive cheese neck on that. Like the next time you all see each other, just get a quick five on the back of his neck because that's the most. That take that took time. That took time for him like measuring it out and then put the fucking bowl up. You petty son of a bitch. Yeah, I was definitely on some so Jim Halpert shit. So you know what? It's it's so funny just because you do think you do look back at the time, man, and and just my mind frame at the time, Rob was right, man. I was I was very focused and I was very um like the pressure was actually on me to take his spot. Like everybody was on me, like, yo, you need to be right, you need to take Rod's spot. You need to all right, cool. So Rod was my immediate like target as soon as I came in anyway. All right, cool. I'm bigger than him. I was I was naturally bigger than him, but um no, I was stronger than you when we came in. You both. I was skinny. I like had nothing on you size, athleticism wise, at all. Not close. Yeah. So they they expected me to just kind of dominate him, but Rod is actually a hell of a player. Like at the end of the day, that's the thing that pissed me off was the fact that he's actually <laughs> he's actually good. Like <laughs> this goofy son of a bitch was actually getting you on the technique and shit. You're like, yeah, fuck! Yeah, like, and it's and it, and it didn't look good, and he's fucking lanky, and he looks like a newborn giraffe cat out there. Yeah. But, he's, <laughs> but he's, he's actually good, and he gets buckets, and he ends up with double-doubles and shit. And I remember his senior year, this guy went on a tear, and I was like, you know, like I think that was the year I was, was I hurt? Uh, I might have been hurt that year. I don't know, I don't know. I can't remember, but 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 either way, you know, that was the thing that really got into my skin was the fact that he was good, you know, and they pitted me against him. But no, when I got back to the house, man, yes, I, I got back and and yes, I was very high. Strength. I didn't have no problem with anybody eating the food. I was fine with that. Just ask me. Just ask me. The shit's under my bed, my nigga. Like, it's, for real, it's my, it's my shit, bro. Like, it's, it's, you're more than welcome to it. Just ask your boy. You know it's basic respect. You feel me? <laughs> so I get back, man, and and at first I just see I, I walk into the hall and I see a little bit of cereal. Like, hold up, this is my cereal. I know it's my cereal because it's my my cinnamon toast crunch, right, man? And then I just start following the trail to the kitchen and I see the bowl with the milk, and it was man. I called all them motherfuckers in the living room. He like, called a house meeting. Me. He called a house meeting. I called a house meeting. <laughs> Which one of you motherfuckers did it? And I went off. <laughs> man, we're full making the band. What the fuck is man. this shit? <laughs> Snapped over the Captain Crunch. And this fool, or Seven Toast Crunch, he over here laughing the whole time, man. I told you. <sighs> All right, I'd ride had me at times running around the city looking for him. I was ready to throw them down. <laughs> when did you all turn the corner? When did you when did you switch up? Because I, I think that is very true, like you said in the book. Um, I don't think I have one relationship of a friend that I'd say is like a good friend of mine that didn't start off like that. I have a personality that that, that attracts that, so I can see that coming. So when did you all turn the corner and like become homies? Man. I mean, I'll let you you say what you thought you did. For me, I'll say it really happened after um, after what after we both were in professional play pro pro, and we kind of started hanging out in L.A. a little bit more, and and really just kind of got to 
you know, get past the college stuff. Because in college, we were literally pitted against each other. And, and coach would do bullshit sometimes. Like, literally, all right, Rod and Devon, get in there and fight until one of you bleeds. Like, <laughs> for real, though. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that that happens to basketball players, too, because that shit happened all the time in practice, bro. And literally, they would be like, get on the line. Do you want this motherfucker to beat you? They would, like, have us have fighting drills. Like, they have this drill. I tell everybody this all the time where they're like, oh, I want to play football. Ball. Do you fucking really, bro? They had us. They took this towel, they taped it in the middle, they made you lay down on either ends, hold the towel, and then did what do whatever you had to do to get the towel from the other person. So you can them out, <laughs> you could elbow them in the nose until they nose broke. You can do whatever you had to do, but you had to fucking get the towel. And we <clears throat> did that shit after like the hardest practice ever, and I had to almost choke this nigga unconscious, bro. Like I, I had him in an <laughs> arm bar, like it was UFC, trying to break his shit into him to let the fucking thing go. And then I got up. And threw up instantly. Like, it was yeah. the hardest I ever pushed myself. So it makes me feel better that you all also had to endure some bullshit. Because yeah. we were over in practice like, man, I want to be a fucking hooper, dog. Like, these niggas. Nah. <laughs> we, I mean, man. Football's still, football's still <laughs> definitely more aggressive than basketball. Just the type of people even who play it at a high level are just goddamn nuts. But I agree with both of you. I talked about this again when we had Emeka on. Yeah, we had drills. Like, we had a drill called war where they they'll put a bubble on the basket. And they always, I mean, they never matched me up against, like, David Paris. I mean, we had, like, five big men or whatever. It was, like, Rod and Devon, you guys go after it. Um, they knew, th this was smart on their part. They knew he was stronger than me, so I had to figure out how to get past someone who literally had the natural abilities. And they knew that I was, like, more savvy just being an older player. So they knew he had to learn some, like, savviness. And it was just, like, it, but it never came down to that. It's, like, just fight. Just fight until, and it, yeah. it really wasn't until I graduated college and I look back that I, I fucking hated that stuff. It actually, in my opinion, didn't make me a better player. What made me a better player was just getting experience, really. Uh, not, I mean, it, it, there were practice drills that did help me. I, I'm not going to say the practice didn't help, but that shit, no. And when I graduated and I look back, I'm like, man, these are my guys. Like, I have the most shared experience at this point in my life with these <clears> people and I immediately like rooted for them and I wanted everyone to do well as soon as I was able to remove myself from that situation. Uh, so I think like when Devon and I really like when you invited me to your draft party, because uh, I was like a year later and I come back from being a pro. That's when I think like we really started getting close because it almost felt like you made the first move like, nah, we're bigger than this. And I was like, we are bigger than this. Like, I want to see you do really well. <laughs> Oh, you know what? No, 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 no. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it happened. Actually, it was um, it was before then because what happened was my junior year, um, I I had broken my leg or broken my foot, and I was out a good portion of my year. You were were you in town for? I don't, I don't know, but I know we partied. Uh, we yeah, when I first, I, have, I have pictures from this time. I came back like to party, like maybe like fall of 2006, like after I graduated, but before I'd signed in the D League. That's right. Yeah. We were get we were getting it in at that time. And I know, I know. One night, man, this is <laughs> one night. Rod and I went out in San Francisco, man. It was it was like, look, you either go out in San Francisco where it's more of kind of a lounge, like like white white crowd. Or you go out in Oakland and you possibly get shot, which, you know, you kind of pick, pick, pick Spice your Spice up your life. <laughs> you know, so we, we tended to go to San Francisco. You know, Rod, I would stay with him on that side. I'd go to I'd go to Oakland with the other guys. 
<laughs> but uh, but yeah, we went out to one night, and uh, I look up in the middle of the club, and Rod is about to fight this guy, and he's like about to go hard on him. I'm like, bro, and what did I what did I kill? I came over, I put my arms around both of you. I said, guys, 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 calm down. Go Bears, go Bears. <laughs> I slightly remember this. Is this the night where we have the picture where we're like getting low? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that okay. night. Okay. <laughs> and next thing you know, I got I'm I'm getting shots and everything for everybody, and it's all good, but. But no, we used to, we started hanging out a little bit in San Francisco. That's when we we really kind of yeah. Oh, the great unifier, booze and bitches. <laughs> Man, <clears throat> yeah. To be quite Man. frank, I went there with this chick that I had like hooked up with like once or twice, and then I left with who would become my girlfriend for the next three years. The wild dad. The wild dad. Yes, you do. <laughs> Yeah, wow. But I know, I know. After afterwards, man, just kind of in the past couple years, especially since retirement, it's really, um, it's really been nice having him around. Just he, he, he lives in LA, not too far from me. I was only an hour and a half, two hours away from me. But having him around in the sense of he's kind of a couple years, a, a year ahead of me in terms of just the steps of his career. Um, he retired. No, I retired first, didn't I? No, I was ahead of you, and you you slung shot way past me, my guy. You're you are light years ahead of me in far as far as if you read this guy's Facebook post, like see how he opened. He's like, yeah, leading a family through a pandemic. Like that's the kind of shit that he talks about now. Like me, I'm like, yo, do I want a breakfast burrito or do I want to wait till tomorrow for a breakfast burrito? That's the biggest decision of about, my day. I was talking about in terms of career, man. <laughs> Can you so give us does- a quick rundown? That- can you give us a quick rundown? Like, what, what was your career post Berkeley? Man, post Berkeley. So, you got drafted with the super, with the Supersonics. Actually, was the last pick of the Supersonics before we moved to OKC. Right, the what was it? A week before, or no, a day before my first summer league game. Turns out I had a stress fracture in my shin, and uh, they shut me down immediately. And I can still play, but they basically said the stress fracture was it either if, if I kept playing, I was going to have a Paul George type injury. They yeah. said you can either keep playing and risk that, or we can shut you down and let it and let it kind of rest. I had two options: either get surgery or um, or to just rest. I chose the rest path for a while, but it turned out that didn't work. So I ended up having to get the surgery anyway. Um, I spent some time in the D League with the with the Thunder um, with the Thunder with the Thunder D League team while I recovered from that surgery. But yeah, that that was even that what didn't. Basically, I was still recovering from that surgery for a yeah. long time. Yeah. And um, I know when I did get back into the D League and did get back into the groove of things, actually, the, the what was it? The day after my daughter was born, I went back to practice on New Year's Day. And, uh, yeah, I got undercut by one of my teammates, fractured two vertebrae in my lower back and broke my wrist. God damn. <laughs> yeah, for being up was, so high, man. That's why I keep it close to the ground, you feel me? <laughs> Man, and that's really what it was. It just was one of those things where I went up for I went up and he kind of slid up underneath me and I just turned, fell. And the crazy thing was my back hurt so bad and, and the pain from my back was so bad. I didn't realize my wrist was broken for two weeks. It was uh it wasn't until my wrist was just hurting weeks and weeks later. I'm like, hey, let's check it out. And they found it was fractured too. But you know, it was a lot of pressure to try and come back and play through the injuries. I even, man, within that within two weeks of that injury, I was back on the court. Wait, let me let me let me interject something into that story because I know there's going to be some Cal folks listening to this, and I got your back on this because I've thought this since 
that day. Because I, I was in New Jersey. I was with the New Jersey Nets in 2007, which would have been the year if you had come out early. Mm-hmm. They were projected to take you at like 17 or 15 or something. And yeah. our college coach, who will remain, remain nameless, but every single person can easily Google this. But <laughs> just so I can say, I didn't say a name. I did not say a name. <clears throat> Man, this guy no convinced convinced Devon to come back for his senior year, in my opinion, selfishly. It was like the anti-Calipari, whereas he had an opportunity to be a first-round pick. And one thing I know about from playing years and years is just getting drafted that high, you, you may not pan out, but you get much more attention. You get many more chances. And in the league, that goes a long way. That goes so yeah. far, besides just the guaranteed paycheck for at least three years, according to that um, <clears throat> scale. So, I mean, you just being a kid, I don't expect you to, like, know everything and make choices knowing what looks, what things can look like in the past. But me seeing it happen in real time, I was like, man, fuck this dude who will remain nameless. And I used to not say that, but <laughs> turns out he's talked shit about me for years and years. And I was 18 when oh, I knew man. him. I knew him as a 50-year-old man. And fuck that dude for doing that to you, man. I don't appreciate that. His initials came you- as a restaurant chain. <laughs> Did I tell you? So, so you, say, you say he talked mess about you. I'm not going to say his name either. You know, I don't really have nothing to say about him either way. But uh, I did actually hear from one of the NBA general managers what he said directly about me. Oh, yeah. What did he say? So, well, I mean, well, not what he said directly, but pretty much it was the New Jersey Nets the following year hmm. when I uh, I went and worked out for them. And I actually had a great work. I was working out against a guy, you might know him, Alexis Ajinka. Yep. Seven foot. I tore French his dude. ass up in that workout. Oh, my gosh. I gave him the business. I, I walked out that workout feeling like this is it. I'm, I'm coming here to the Nets. And then I got called up to the office with Rod Thorne. And um, and yeah, he called me in and, and I had actually met him the year before. That's when kind of I was projected to go there the year before. I had met him the year before. So I walked in like, hey, what's up, Mr. Mr. Thorne? How's it going? And he cut straight to the chase. He's like, all right, Devon, man, we talked to your college coach and he did not have good things to say about you. What do you have to say about that? And I just sat there like, oh, like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is wild. Yeah. Which is wild. Because to be sure... <laughs> This man, Devon, did everything that this man, who will remain rename, nameless, asked. I mean, every single thing. And I say that, the reason I say it the way I do is because I, at a certain point, made a choice to not. So it was a very contrasting set of ideologies. Once I realized this man was not for me, I opted out mentally from that particular system. Devon stayed committed and locked in. So for him to talk shit about me is one thing, even though, again, talking sh- when you're 55, talking shit about a 20-year-old is crazy, in my opinion. But to do it to Devon, that's why I, I think you got the worst end of that era as far as a deal, because you had the highest ceiling out of all of us, and I don't think that, A, he developed you properly. We didn't have a, we didn't have a post coach. We had a strength and conditioning coach, bless his heart, nice guy running our post drills, reading books, like reading basketball for dummies. I'm not joking. Reading basketball for dummies. Being like, all right, Devon, I got you today. Like, why? He's already so strong. Someone teach this man some moves. So, so, so the, thing that conf- the thing that confused me, man, honestly, because, 
you're right. That was the the junior year. I was planning on coming out, and and they did convince me to come back. The only thing that confused me about it, because I'm not in, I'm not one to point fingers after the fact and say, oh, this is the reason I ain't making it, man. I'm the reason I ain't making it. Let's put it that like like that. But the thing that did confuse me was just the fact that I was. They wanted me to come back, and then it seemed like immediately, as soon as I got past the deadline where I could I could go, you know, go to the draft, it switched on me. It switched from like, yeah, you're gonna be, we're gonna be behind you, and it switched immediately, like within the the following week. I don't know if I told you about the way they they pretty much in the first week put me pitted me against the team with uh, <laughs> with Ryan it was just crazy. So, no, not with Ryan Anderson. It was mm. against the whole team, man. So mm. basically, you know, that summer I was traveling with different teams for the draft. I actually wasn't a student at Cal at the time. I withdrawn. Well, when I went back, the week I went back, man, Coach Brown actually called a mandatory. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, co- <laughs> 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 oh, <shit. laughs> I'm just messing with you. Keep going. Keep going. I was just wondering when he was going to get dropped. I was like, what y'all going to say the name? What are y'all going to say the name? Hey, whatever, man. That's it. Uh, but no, yeah, called a mandatory meeting. And, you know, we came in and, and this was the thing because we didn't know what it was. Now, Rod, you remember when you were there, they used to always before the season give us some weird punishment we would have to do because somebody did something. But we always figured it was just a way for them to get us a hard workout to kick us off. You remember you that? Figured, like, you figured that. I, once I got Pat, once I got enlightened, my guy, I knew that was all BS. Well, no, because you remember it was each year. So I know one year it was the freshmen did something with the girls basketball team. And then yeah. it was like it, whatever it was every year, most of the team didn't have anything to do with it at all. Yeah, so in true. this instance, yeah, in this instance, we get called in and we're, we're all wondering, like, yo, who did something? What's the deal? And the thing is, like, yo, so we're, 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 we got a team punishment right now. Uh, Devon missed a mandatory meeting last week. I'm like, wait, you, you mean, mean last week when I was not a student at Cal and I was in Miami working out for the Heat and Coach, coach called me that morning, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and, and called me and was like, yo, good, good luck on your workout today. Da, da, da. Like, are, are you serious? Hmm. But that was the, that was the punishment. I'm like, oh, okay. But, but still we figured, all right, cool. This is, this is the kickoff to the season. This is what we do it every year. Let's go out here and do it. Well, that's not what happened. We got out on the field and um, we all get ready to work out. And then they brought out a, a chair with a, uh, with an umbrella and a, and a glass of lemonade and told me to sit down. And basically, uh, ah. wow. I can't not. Yeah. I never heard that. They told me, yeah, they told me to sit down and basically told, uh, told the rest of my teammates, told me, like, yeah, your teammates are going to run for what you did. I'm like, oh, hell no, fuck that. I'm running. And, um, and, and yeah, I, I, I was 100% defying that. And the only reason I didn't is because there was a, I, I'm going to keep the name quiet here. There was a certain real, real uh, strong coach we had <laughs> that, that, I, that I have a lot of respect for. And, and he pretty much tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, look, man, don't do it. You're only going to make it worse. He said, he, he said just, just, just sit down. Don't do it. You're only going to make it worse. So I took the L in that one. And I, and I, I had to sit there and watch my team get punished for some shit that we were like, but you know that's that drove that wedge from the beginning, and then from 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 then on, the year was just I don't know what happened. To be honest with you, um, but I will say this much: I I played my part in it too. You know, it was uh, I was not focused. I had a bunch of I had a bunch of other things going on out offside off the court that impacted. Um, yeah, that I played my part one hundred percent in that. So when it comes back to that scenario, I, I'm taking the responsibility for that. So that, that that's on me. 
Wow. <clears throat> this coach sounds like he ain't shit uh, very similarly, but in a different way to Cus D'Amato. Let's talk about this movie. <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> <clears throat> the, the, the Interesting yeah. choice, by the way. This Mike Tyson. Man. I'm yeah, not, I I'm didn't know. Okay, about. wait. Off top, I did not know I was watching a one man show. I'm like, all right, any minute now, the doc's gonna I, kick see, in. Okay, <laughs> any this, minute yeah. now. <laughs> Thank you. That makes me so happy because I watched this and I was like, this because the still, I was like, this is his play. But you were like in the text, he was like, you watch this Mike Tyson documentary, and I was like, maybe this is the wrong thing. I was like, maybe I'm looking at the wrong shit. I looked at the text, I was like, this nigga didn't know that he had a one man play. I was like, what? <laughs> so, so actually, so I, I gave him two of them. I gave him one the 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 uh, the Carl. Uh, uh, what's the name? Carmelo Anthony documentary produced for Mike Tyson that yeah. he did in 2013. Now that one was more of a documentary. This yeah. one, I, I love this one as a follow up. I wish you could have seen both of them just because they're very, they're very, very different. Oh, that that 2013 one was no, no. I think it was 07. That one was dark. You yeah. know, I think that was right after the death of his daughter. He was in a dark place. And, Still on that stuff. And, like he said it, in the man, thing, he's fresh. It, it, it was uh, it was like so, but it was still it, the, the just watching the the story hit just as hard. This one I like better because this is the Mike Tyson I love to see. That, that's why I had you guys watch this one. <laughs> to that point, I even wrote down a note in this. Mike Tyson's therapist deserves all the money in the fucking world, if not even more. This is the most insane growth I have seen out of a human being. I did not even think this shit was fucking possible, bro. Like, he's up there just being fucking jovial, just nice as shit, charismatic as fuck, and you know that nigga has more demons than the fucking devil. Because when he, has, <laughs> he was talking about it, he was like, you gotta, he was like, are you afraid of white people? Are you afraid of white people? He's like, you gotta face your demons. But he's like, that speech and he got serious i was like i believe that shit that is a motherfucker mm -hmm. who really has to fight them on a daily basis and the fact that he was able to come to terms with this feels like he legitimately came to terms with understands and is constantly working on the things that not only gave him such amazing things but put him in so many shitty situations and i was just very happy to be watching that the whole time like i, I think that was a problem one of my problems with this is the sound of it is that people are laughing. He would do this setup of here's a, a, a funny way into this very heavy thing I'm about to talk about. So it will mm -hmm. be a joke and people will be laughing extra hard because it's Mike Tyson, right? But then he would hit you immediately with like, here's the truth of that thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like here's the hard shit. And they would still be laughing because they the laugh hadn't stopped yet. And I think Spike should have been a little bit more hot on the edits with that. But I I forgot where I was going with that. I was just praising this man so much I lost myself. But anyway, <laughs> I feel you. It was just like, I feel you. It was just impressive. It, it was just very great to see. And like, it, as a nigga who has cousins like this who have not helped themselves and not moved past, and you see get eaten <clears> up by the shit, it's just, it makes your heart happy, bro. Like, I was just watching this shit like that. It makes me so happy to see this shit. Like, this is the greatest example I will ever tell anybody to why niggas need to go to therapy, bro. Look at Mike Tyson as to who he is today, as to who Mike Tyson was 10 years ago, even, bro. Like, it's absurd. And yeah, I'm sorry. Go, go, go do your, what you feel about it, Rob? <laughs> uh, I can talk about this forever. <laughs> actually, I actually want to hear what Devon feels about it because obviously you, I gave you the prompt, like I give everybody, like something in sports and, art that you're passionate about and i did not expect you to go boxing especially not mike tyson 
what drew you to this and what do you like about it before I say what I liked about it? Man, everybody's got a redemption story. And and when you see when you see somebody really coming back from a redemption from from a from a place where you know it's low, and we all can relate to being in a low place in in, in whatever way in our life. And for some people, it's drugs. For some people, it's 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 marriage. Whatever whatever it may be, we all can relate to being to that and coming back from that. I love seeing that. And and Mike, like he said, man, Mike Tyson's got just an amazing attitude. And and you, you, I think about my opinion of Mike Tyson when I was younger. I mean, I remember seeing the news stories about you know him as a rapist and and just didn't. I had the same opinion of Mike Tyson that I had of O.J. Simpson. I still have a bad opinion of O.J. Simpson. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Bro, he was acquitted. Bro, my guy. Is 20, my guy. 20, my guy. He was acquitted. Yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, I have a right. homie who's... I'm not, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about that crime. I'm talking about the other one. <laughs> Great, great use of talk. a visual for on, a, on an audio medium. Great use of that. I, I have a homie who stands this. He goes, what are you talking about? OJ didn't do it. OJ didn't do it. I'm like, bro, please stop. He's like, I, stop what, nigga? Like, did, did he go to jail? Did he go to jail? I'm like, all right, bro, never mind. Let me not even get on that topic. I'll have all of Black America jump on my ass right now. <laughs> but for, for okay, no, no, let's, let's go down the path a little bit. For that to be the nigga that got it is what makes it so shitty. I think that's where the real divide comes. It's like, of all the niggas who deserve that, who deserve the pass, he's not the one, okay? Out of mm. all the niggas, but he had deserve to deserve it. But he had to be. I, exactly. Listen, listen, listen. He had to be. It had to be the shittiest one. That's the only way it was going to stay. <laughs> it had to be Mr. McShitty. <laughs> Low key, when you say it like that, when you say it like that, it the had, nigga it had you, to be one we couldn't even stand. But right? Like, it was the one. It was the one you convinced that he's not black. He's OJ. But that's the nigga that did the shit. <laughs> it's the Jesse Smollett. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord well on that oh, note uh, i don't know if you finished saying what you liked about it but i i i enjoyed this again i was kind of blindsided by i knew he had a one-man show i didn't i never knew it was filmed so as it started going i just i kind of expected it to be like an intro and i was like i don't think this is an after like five minutes i was like i feel like this is gonna keep going and uh i think that what he does and why it works is he humanizes himself like beyond anything I've ever fucking seen for somebody who's seen as like kind of a monster. I mean, it's 2020 now. This was released in 2013. So I believe this show probably ran in 2012. And I remember when it was running, it was like, all right, man, you just did like uh, 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 the hangover, like chill mm. on like people don't necessarily want to see you in a one man show. But I remember seeing it got it got pretty good reviews, got crazy uh, but, reviews. But I never I never read it. I never watched it. So watching it, yeah, he it's far more than just whatever you see in the hangover. Because think about it at that time. That's all people really knew is everything we know about Mike Tyson. And he's like kind of funny in this movie that's hilarious. Mm -hmm. The way he tells his stories. First of all, let's just backtrack. Did anyone and I know how shitty this sounds, did anyone think Mike Tyson like had it together enough to remember like an hour and a half long show. Yeah, I mean, seriously, talking about this, talking about. I was talented. Uh, I think the Chris screen, the only out. screen was the thing that was projecting wait, what wait, was wait, happening. Wait, 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 wait. Chris, go back a little bit. Yeah, you cut out for a second. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? 
I said that was what I was bugging about was that there's no way he's reading any of this on the teleprompter. No. He even told you, he's like, I don't have a, so he literally remembered that shit. He burned it all into his head because the only thing that is a screen is him looking at what's going on behind him. So, yes. And I think that's just how his brain works. It's like, I'm not going to remember, I'm not going to be able to read it quickly. So he literally remembered all that thing. I, there's Everything about this is just so fucking ridiculous. It's just like, this is impressive as fuck. This is a yes. person going, I took time into this. I'm really trying to make this the best it is so that you all see that in my life as well i'm doing the same thing and that's that's what i'm saying is like starting with that knowing that actual performers who do it for a living struggle with producing and rehearsing and remembering an hour and a half show uh mike tyson has in my opinion or at least in my knowledge zero experience doing this and delivers (laughs) very effectively i mean it like i there's one thing i i learned about acting i never took acting school but it's the idea that like the better you know your lines the more you can really act them and (laughs) so he's got his material down so well that he can put his like touch on it in such a way and like you know do the karate kicks and and drop f-bombs at will like oh shit i was out here just trying to fuck man like in this way that's just like is this actually Mike Tyson? Because this is exactly how I would like someone to tell their story. And there's people I just didn't think were capable of doing it. And he did it. And it was fucking incredible. So Mike Tyson TED Talk. It was great. The call, it was a stand-up set, bro. The call and response he did, where he was like, uh, shit, <laughs> where was it? Uh... I know he had everyone sing that song. <laughs> so I know my favorite part, man, was when he was telling the story about getting uh, getting suited in Dapper, Dapper Dance. That was ridiculous. Man, that was wild. That was ridiculous. So, so, I mean, because it was one, it was a funny story. No matter how you slice it, that story Oh, not now, back then. That's what it was. Sorry. Well, oh, when he goes, not, not now. now. Back then, that one, I was like, nigga, that's a perfect joke. That's a perfect joke, Mike Tyson. Like, perfectly. But my back heel back to the Dapper Dan. But the Dapper, the Dapper Dan story, man, that, that really kind of just showed, uh, one, it, it lets you into his mind because he's trying, he's talking you through his process of, all right, you know, you got to talk, you got to talk, you got to, you got to do the right thing. You got to make sure you, and then he's like, nigga, I'm Mike Tyson. Because <laughs> I swear to you, I have the moments myself. Like, man, what, what am I doing? I'm seven feet tall. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. <laughs> yeah, for real. My Jewish lingo. There's a <laughs> there's a guy that we both know who actually resembles Mike Tyson, who I feel like would tell the stories exactly the same. And that man is Wendell McKinnis. I was going to see if you're going to get it. You know Wendell, right? I know. <laughs> yeah, Wendell played with me in Korea. He does. And I would, I would just imagine him doing the exact same show with literally the exact same stories, just with basketball instead of fucking uh, uh, boxing. I just, it was hard. It was actually hard for me to separate watching this from like projecting Wendell into it. Even the moments Wendell's where like he's like talking Mike. to himself. Yeah, Wendell's like a six three Mike Tyson, who is just literally like the result of his like. <laughs> up, upbringing to the utmost but like want something more for himself 
and I've watched him grow in different ways, but it's like, damn, Wendell slash Mike. Like, I, I, I was overcoming emotion from both sides, honestly. Yeah. Just knowing this guy yeah. and knowing that he's the same type of person. That, I told you that redemption story, man. It's, it's, it's people cheer for that underdog. It's, it, it, I mean, it takes me back to one of the most, I'll tell you, one of the most impactful moments in my basketball career was a night I got to witness Leon Poe go off against the Lakers in the NBA Finals. That's crazy I was actually, still. I was in the arena that night, man. And it actually, I was working out for Boston that day. And, um, and hey, man, you want tickets to the game? And I'm like, of course. You're going to see you against Kobe? Of course. Man, so uh, me and D. War was sitting up in the stands, and this fool, Leon, it was, it was magical. I'm like, yo, I'm not really here for this, am I? Because Leon's getting the ball, taking it full court, dunking against the Lakers? Like, hold up, man. Hmm. <laughs> I know he ended up with 20, 20 and something. I don't know. But, man, I remember they actually came up and interviewed me in the stands after that game. Just no, I was, you know, one of the projected draft picks there. And, and I broke down crying during the interview just, just over this man's success, knowing his story. Because yeah. another, another thing that happened that night that they didn't expect – they didn't really – I mean, obviously, they didn't expect him to go off like that. You, you hope he does, but nobody expects – that was the night that they aired his documentary during halftime. That kind yeah. of, yeah. Um, yeah, it talked about his his journey through, you know, all the things that happened in the high school, his mom. So, man, I remember just being in there in the stands for that. Like, they, they aired the documentary in the arena. I'm like, holy crap. Like, it's Leon night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What What's interesting about that and tying it into what we were saying earlier is that, you know, I, I worked out for basically every team in the league at some point. And when I, when I got to the Bulls, they had also heard some things from a coach who I won't name that's been named twice. Uh, and they're like, yeah, when we heard that, we really didn't believe it. And I was like, I was like, oh, why, why you uh, before anybody else? And the guy was like, I came to Cal. And I remember I was like, oh, yeah, he did. He came to Cal. And this one, I was injured at the start of my senior year. And you guys were practicing hard. This was in the uh, whatever the rec gym was. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was real tight. So we're sitting on the sideline. I'm, it's just me and the Bull Scout sitting there. And he's like. Tell me about each guy. And everything I said about everybody was fucking positive. Even in a situation where I hated everybody. And I still yeah. remember what I said about Leon right then. I was like, I was like, he has the best hands I've ever seen. If he drops one pass this whole practice, I'll get up with my broken foot and run lines. Oh, yeah. And he, and he, and he proceeded to not drop a single pass. And, mm -hmm. and I felt a similar satisfaction when he had that finals, I was rooting for the Lakers, but watching him win was satisfying enough. Because, yeah, you know, you know what someone's been through, especially, let's keep it 100, as black people, you know, I've had family members as crackheads. We've played with and against guys who have flamed out for one reason or another or fell trappings to some of the things that Mike Tyson went through. Yeah. And when you see one of us especially, like, overcome that shit and be who they're supposed to be, or put it another way, find peace in being somebody different than who they were supposed to be. It's mm -hmm. fucking that, super satisfying. That part, that part is really what was mind blowing. Cause I would say this whole thing could be surmised <clears throat> in three things in that he said, I want to be great. I didn't care what it was. I just wanted to be great at something. And I thought that I was nothing. So for me being great at something would be a great robber, be a great uh, stick up man, anything. He's like, but I, I found something and I, buddy, I think the negatives for um, 
cuss is that he made that man an animal at the same time in order to be great he changed him just like athletes right right what do you always say you have to change yourself to be good right so that yep. it, that metamorphosis of like you are not a person you are a thing to achieve this task and then to have that give you your success give you your greatness that you strive for to to make your name mean something realize that that is not what you are defined by when he does the third act of his kids and it's like this shit how can you not be moved by that you know what i mean like this is a man who said he was in jail 37 times by the time he was 12 years old bro and now he is a father, successful business. Like he did the fight. He's he's saying, you know, I fucked up. Like I don't know what you want from me. Like I, I acknowledge all of my fuck ups. And <laughs> the fact that his wife wrote this thing. Who do you think had more takes on the Regina thing? <laughs> Mike Tyson or his wife? Because they dragged the shit out of fucking Regina, uh, <laughs> out of Robin Givens, out of Robin Givens oh, for so man. long. And I laughed so hard. And I was like, he was like, Yeah, when they showed like Grandma Givens, I was like, damn, she looks like an evil motherfucker. I know what right? evil black grandmas look like. They're that like, was the most evil picture that ever. I was like, shit, you had to deal with Robin Givens. You had to deal with all of this shit, Mike. Even when you got on, you was dealing with the bullshit. I was like, God damn. But to come out the other side, as to who, Mike Tyson is now like, like Mike Tyson is the epitome of what you want an OG to be, right? Like, the, and his prime example is that Boosie shit. Like, everybody wants to be like, "Oh, he a bitch." Da, da da da. No, it's literally somebody going, "Look, man, I used to say ignorant ass shit all the time. I realize I had to grow. Do you realize a situation here that you can grow? That is all you want from this type of situation." Like you were saying, the redemption thing. It's just mind blowing to see it in practice. Like when he was saying that, Devon, I really think it it needs to be acknowledged. I feel like your story has been similar to that, in my opinion. Like you were blessed with some of the most basketball talent I've ever seen, and I've seen every corner of the world what talent looks like. Just just <laughs> physically, just born with a certain amount that came yeah. with so much expectation. And I remember when you retired, or you kind of. I don't know if it was like forced retirement or you kind of got hurt. I don't remember exactly what happened, but you know that there was like a low point for you. But I remember like at a certain point when you came out the other side, it was like you had detached from what basketball had meant for you. And it like produced this like new like spirit in you that I had probably never seen because you weren't bound by expectation, but you were bound by whatever you wanted to be bound by. And yeah. I just want to know if you could speak to that a little bit. Man, you know, it's, it's funny. I hadn't, I had never had it put to me like that, but that's probably the best way I've heard, had it described as far as, well, I'll start with the retirement. You know, you mentioned you're not really sure what happened around there, man. I'll be honest with you. When I retired from basketball, it was a retirement of, of just kind of out of exhaustion. You know, I was, I felt kind of beat up by the game. It seems like every time I got closer and closer because I'm a perpetually optimistic person. I'm always going to believe that no matter how many times you get down, you get back up. I'm, a, I mean, I'm just, that's just me. I'm going to get back up. But even those guys get tired after a while. And my th I think my last straw came when, um, man, I actually did get the call for the Utah Jazz. I actually, I was in China and, um, and I was having, a, I was having a great season out there with my team. We were in the playoffs and, 
And um, the, the, my agent called me and said, hey, the Jazz want you to come out actually first thing. They were getting ready to go into the playoffs. This is the opportunity I've been waiting for my whole life. I t- and I had an NBL clause in my contract. So I told my coach, hey, man, I got to go. And, he, and they, they were upset, but they understood. Like, all right, man. Well, can, they said, hey, can you do us a favor? Can you please show the American that's on that's, – that they had another guy on the way already. Can you please show him the drills before you leave? Man, I did that. I got on the court to show him the drills, and then within five minutes on the court with him, broke my hand. Like, oh, Lord. Broke it in a way to where, like, you probably see the scar right here, to where the bone wasn't sticking out the skin, but it was definitely, I mean, you can move the bone and the finger would just go up and down. Like, it was, I had to come back, have surgery on that, and while they were in there, they just decided to go ahead and fix something in my shoulder, too, and it was just, man, I'm not going to lie, that that was that was kind of the, for me the end of my pursuit of the dreams like man this just isn't meant for me like i had after the, after the 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 broken back after all the difference after that when i said this is kind of isn't it so i was just going to play and get as much money as i could that, before i could get out get out so when i retired that was it it was like man let me just get the hell out of here stay home i'm done and it left me in that spot for a while man i was um it was just rough you know i think the things that really really helped me out of it to be honest with you was my kids <laughs> My kids were 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 the thing that was just like just seeing how much and they were they were young at the time. My daughter was what five. My son was two. You know, at that time they were um, they saw everything I did, and they're at the age where they're looking and and they were seeing the dad. They referred to me as the grouch fish. There's this uh, there's this cartoon that they watch called um, what is it? Not Yo Gabba Gabba, but the back something one of these cartoons but there's a there's a there's a fish on there who walked around he's all grouchy all the time and that's what they used to call me was the grouch fish mm. and i'm like oh hell no nah, man and and i remember one day my daughter even came to me my daughter came to me daddy i want you to watch this movie with me daddy come watch this movie with me nah i'm good man. and then finally i went and watched it and it was a movie called no no bullshit it's it's going to be it's called a wrinkle in time by oprah <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, it's not a movie I ever would have sat down and watched myself, but it was a message in there that my daughter was trying to get through to me. And it was about the negativity that I just, that I was, the funk that I was in, how it was impacting her. And she was six at the time she did this. Man, it woke my ass up immediately. Immediately. I apologized to both my kids. I, I switched it overnight and immediately said, I got I to gotta be better. So, um, that led all to just a kind of a process of, of rediscovering myself. And it actually led to my, my process of, of writing this first book, man, the, um, that, that kind of deals with just the bounce back of that's the name of the book, the bounce back. It just deals with the story of, of divine. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah, like I said, like you saying that, do you see that this is like, it's the down, the pitfalls aren't the same as Mike Tyson's obviously, but I feel like, it's a similar like path of expectation and then coming out the other side, like especially the family focused orient uh, side of it and everything. Like I fucking love your story, man. Like it really, like I, every time you post like an update that's like positive, I'm like, man, good for this guy. And I think you, I think you, <laughs> but I think it's not just me. Like if you, if I even just, I used to be in Korea and I would see everyone's posts around the world. Cause it'd be like, you know, it'd be like 7 p.m. there, but it'd be like 3 a.m. here. So I'm seeing people's like depressed posts after they like came in from a night out or like, man, fuck that bitch, man. Like midnight, like, man, I see everybody's going through something at some time. And I've seen your posts 
for years and I've seen them evolve. And what I've also seen happen is people's engagement with your posts has gone through the fucking roof because of the messages you put out and how you speak about yourself and how you own your truth. It fucking draws people in. People are like, that's that guy, Devon. I fucks with that. Have you noticed that? You know, man, I have. And it's it's really, I it's come down to just a conscious decision I made a couple years back because social media is it's such a powerful tool. It's so powerful. And we can do so many things with it. But I also recognize that this is a dangerous tool if you don't, uh, if you're not responsible with it. So I decided to start being responsible with my social media just in terms of my image for myself. So I told myself a long time back, I'm not posting anything that's not positive. If it's got any kind of negative, negative, anything at all, I, I'll do I'll do a lot of typing out and then deletes. <laughs> typing deletes, like, ah, you motherfuckers. Oh, <laughs> oh, I type so many political messages and then delete them shit. <laughs> Just got to get out. Catharsis. Use catharsis. Burn the so, message. So it's, it's definitely is a, is a, is a, is a focused effort, but I'll tell you one thing, and it re- this really, I think, is the most important thing that draws me to Mike Tyson's story is the fact that you get to that point where, where you had to really rediscover yourself. And you mentioned it earlier, Chris. I can't remember the way you said it exactly, but it was perfect. He had to re- kind of re-just define who he was. I got to that low point, man, where I wanted nothing to do with who. It had been my identity for so long that I got to the point where I literally was, you know, I worked at a car dealership. I was working at CarMax. Customers are coming all the hey man, what's up? You six eleven? What you doing working here? I would snap. Like I'm nah, man, I don't hoop. Man, no, I don't play, I don't play basketball. I work at CarMax. But like I, I would I would literally snap on people for for inquiring about me in basketball. I wanted nothing to do with it. And it it was just that whole aura around me. But but man, it definitely I had to get to the point where I realized, yo, I still have something to do. Like my redemption. It's not actually here yet. I'm working on it at the moment, <laughs> but it, but but it's uh, but it did kind of get. I had to come to the point where I was like, "Yo, I'm still worth something, even though I'm not a basketball player and I'm seven, I'm six eleven, and everybody uh, that used to bug me more than anything was on someone. What you doing here, man? You need to be hooping. Like, bro, I know, I did. Shit, what do you want from me? <laughs> I think you probably have spent. Uh, maybe both of you have enough time with me to, to know that. I almost never say I play basketball, like ever in my life. I've always had like this disconnect with it, which I think made my retirement a little easier. Not easy, mm-hmm. but a little easier because basketball wasn't my identity or I tried to keep it separate. And then now that I'm done with it, like I still like post old basketball photos all the time. Like y'all, y'all remember I still got the juice. He's had that juice. Oh man. <laughs> Yo, when yes, OG man. mode comes around, you gonna like I, and every basketball player says, Oh, I don't want to be the OG talking about back in my shit. I'm the OG talking about back in my day. I had 40s, I'd have dumped on all you love, nigga. <laughs> 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 I'm talking shit until <laughs> <laughs> oh lord that's funny man i got to be an og man i'm talking my shit i'm sorry i earned the right <laughs> i mean you 100 percent did again I, I played i played uh when i was in reno my coach was jay harris and mm-hmm. uh he, he was on utah in the 80s and it's funny when like I, I was probably 23 when i met jay i never saw him play uh at that age, you, there's, you don't really respect anything like too far in front of you because you haven't seen it. So you just assume it's worse. 
this dude pulled out a video clip one day of him dunking in a game. And this is no joke. It was in traffic on a fast break from like a half step inside the free throw line. Damn. With the ball. And he Jay's like 6'3". And I just like, I, I remember thinking like, I honestly didn't know anyone besides Michael Jordan could jump at that time. It's never talked about. <laughs> it's, it's literally never discussed. We were talking about it's Michael Jordan not. like he's the only person ever who could jump from like an 11-year period. Meanwhile, this dude took off from, which is a more impressive dunk physically than I've ever seen Michael Jordan do in a game. And he just casually shows him. He's like, yeah, young, young nigga, you know what's up. I'm like, I do now. <laughs> I do now. Don't get it twisted, hey, man. Don't get it twisted. And now your highlights are so readily accessible. I'm going to show you on the cell phone what I can do. I don't have to go get a VHS or none of that shit. I got YouTube. That's true. I just wish some of my old shit wasn't so grainy, god damn it. That UCLA dunk, every year I play it back, it just looks so fucking whack. Like, it just keeps oh getting grainier god. and grainier. I'm like, when I saw this, it did not look grainy. I was, I was Yo, I know exactly what you're talking about, and that shit looks terrible now. It looked like it was filled. <laughs> the dunk was awesome, but the, I know exactly what you're talking about. I thought it was HD back then. <laughs> I thought it was. T- I had an HD TV. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh man, uh, that's fun. So yeah, just so you're writing a book. This is where I usually ask people what's coming up for them. When is this? What is the book about? And if you want to go into more detail, and then when do you expect to release it? Was it? Was it going to release on? Do you need help? Can we talk to people? I don't have a lot of pull. But I can try. <laughs> oh yeah! For Will sure, you do a book sure. tour? Are you gonna wear a, a non-breathable suit and sweat through that bitch as well, just like Mr. Tyson, or like you what, know? What, I've been thinking about it? all of these things. <laughs> I've been thinking about all that. I was thinking about. I actually have been considering going with the suit look. So that's the way I'm leaning right now. And I, and if you can notice, I got sweat boiling up on my head. I'm going to be sweating through that shit. <laughs> the whole time, all I was thinking was like, y'all couldn't throw my man no linen. Y'all couldn't give him nothing breathable. Like, he was sweating before the shit started. He came. That's so sweaty. I was like, God damn. I was like, this man about to die. You know this man used to be a coke addict. God damn. Give him a breathable suit. Damn. I need to put a fan up there or something. <laughs> Let him wear a golf outfit. God damn. Got <laughs> no AC in this bitch. Oh, shoot. So... Um, so actually, man, it's funny, this, this, uh, the book, I did, I did not intend on writing a book. I actually never intend on, intended on writing a book. I've been, I've written for a long time, just as a way to kind of get my thoughts out. Um, it's been something I've done for a long time. Well, this time actually was, it was the week after Kobe died, man. I, I, um, just had a lot of stuff I was kind of trying to figure out and, and it really involved me going back and piecing together my career. From the very beginning i'm talking about from aau <laughs> so um so that's what i did is i came out and i i didn't my, my laptop was broken and um i didn't i didn't really have a way to get so i just started typing on my cell phone i opened up a little note on my cell phone mm-hmm. and started typing bro i kid you not i typed and typed and typed and no and and when i finally cut and paste everything i had typed on that cell phone with my thumbs I cut and pasted to a Word doc, and I had 186 pages. Holy shit. <laughs> like, shit. <laughs> fuck. Fam, I have so much in my notes, and I don't think it equivalents to a third of that. That is so fucking ridiculous. For I, I just need you to go and just type, just type nonsense on your phone for... <laughs> 20 minutes. If I and hold post that shit and see what happens, it's not 170. If I just hold the letter A for like seven days straight, I don't think I'd end up with 186 pages. 
I bro, really so don't. it wasn't. It, it was actually more. It was more like two months, and it was. It was a process, man. It, I, I, the way it happened, it was so natural. It didn't feel like I was writing. It just felt like I was telling myself my story, and um, and that's really what it came out. And it's funny because as soon as I was done with it, I set it down and I couldn't read it. Like it, I just I left it alone for a long time. But when I actually did go back and start reading it, I saw I was actually very very emotional when I wrote that shit. I have to. <laughs> Rewrite a lot of that stuff because <laughs> I'm in there with exclamation points and ah! <laughs> He said, Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is a little sad in here. <laughs> but no, it, it was it was something that just kind of flowed out very naturally. And um, and then I ended up with this first draft of something that I knew was something. Like I'm looking at it and I'm like, there's something in here because it talks about the story. It talks about all the times that I've got my ass knocked down and had to get back up. And 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 I knew that there was something in there. There's a message in there that can be beneficial to somebody. So I've decided to go ahead and put it together and 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 start actually editing it. Editing it. I'm expecting um, at the pace that I'm going right now, man. I'm I'm, I'm hoping to have it done done the second draft until an editor by June of this year. That's dope. Yeah. That is what's Very up. Dope. If you need like a lot of notes that are very uh, detailed and also not positive, ask Chris to review it for you. <laughs> <laughs> man. Well, it's it's funny, first man. Of all, just... First of all, look, nice notes get you nowhere, okay? Yeah, nice notes enough. is bullshit. Do you want to fix the thing or do you want me to fucking exactly? No, 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 I'm not mad. I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad. <laughs> I'm working on something too. And I sent it to three people Kelly, uh, Leonard, who you don't know, and Chris. Leonard's on our improv team. Kelly was like, wow, this is great. Leonard's like, I really you're on your way, man. Just these two things. Chris is like, no, no superlatives. Just here's eight, 80 different things I don't like about it. Hey, I'd, I'd welcome it to be honest with you. Hey, I don't need the comp. I don't need the compliments. The compliments are you didn't say negatives about it. So everything, all the compliments are bullshit. Give me, the, yeah. give me the things you didn't like so I can fix that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd welcome it, man. To be honest with you, I've, I've now that I've kind of got this much invested in it, I am going through and and. And just kind of, you know, what actually has really been cool about the process. And Rod, you've, 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 I've already talked talked to you a little bit about it. Going back through the first time, I just, re, I just let it all get out. Now I've actually been speaking with people. That was going to be my question. I was going to say when you went through, because you said you realized you had some. How, how big was the group of people you sent it to? Because I have like a rule of you got for our writing. I even have a writing partner, so it's automatically a one, two check over, but we still have like five people we send it to, to be like, to do it. Hasn't gone to any, it hasn't gone to anybody yet but mm -hmm. in terms of review that I, I will be sending it, sending it out to, um, to a guy I've already spoken with editor. You might know him, uh, but no, I've actually at this point just been speaking with people who've been there through a lot of the points of that, that I've been talking about throughout the book. And that has been so invaluable just because it provides so much perspective. You know, when we're in it, we see what we see. But then I've got my boy over here who said, nah, man, you used to do this. You you was a dog when you did that. Like, oh, shoot, I ain't remember that. Like, one thing I don't remember and I completely forgot is I wasn't always a leaper, right? I actually didn't have bounce at all. Hmm. You know what I used to do? Hmm. I used to wear ankle weights every single day to school. I used to practice in them. I used to go every, I used to sleep in ankle weights. I wore them every single day because I was embarrassed that as a 60 fresh 60 freshman, I couldn't dunk. So ankle weights it was for the whole year, buddy. And that's how I got those 40s. 
Damn, <laughs> shit works. Damn, <laughs> yo, so many, so many dads will be like, "Say, nigga, I told you, I fucking told you. Look at you. You don't want to listen." I will say, I will say, Zach Levine's dad. If you watch them work out together, I don't know if you've ever seen videos. It's like they still do the same workouts. I guess Zach Levine's dad had him doing as a kid. For those who don't know who are listening, Zach Levine is like the two-time NBA dunk champion. He has his son do like a series of like frog hops into like dunks and layups in like deep sand in their backyard with like a weight vest and like a med ball in his hands, like for like hours on end. And I'm like, this is the most made up ghetto backwards workout I've ever seen. But shit worked clearly because this guy bounces amazing. His quick touch muscles are crazy though. (laughs) Quick twitches out of this world. Man, you literally can come up with any kind of work. I saw somebody have a crossbow now is the way you work out. (laughs) What's crazy is none of these workouts work for white people. Like some dude in the hood. Can put his son through a got a gratis get sack of potatoes. All right, I'm gonna throw three bouncy balls at you. You're gonna dodge them shits. Come out with fifties. I know white kids who paid ten thousand dollars for bounce through the Boss, right trainers that, and got nothing. That, and got nothing. It's that. That's the that uh the farm strength is the version of that, is the white version of that. Like when a motherfucker's like, God damn, how are you this strong? Because the nigga been putting up calves and shit in the back of his dad's pickup since he was 12, nigga. That's how that's true. It's the same thing. I guess, like, you, as a black person, you, we talked about this with Emeka. Like, Emeka probably has never worked out, like, the way that you did. But he has it because he's got that Africanized strength. But Man. you can, you can untap it. You, untap, you unlocked your Africanizing. You're, like, you're the lightest-skinned dude I've seen with these measurables that I've ever played with. Usually it's only Africans and all elbows. You unlocked your African state like an avatar, nigga. Man, I remember that was freshman year, too. I came, I came in freshman year, what was it, 215 soaking wet. I started the season 245. Yo. Yeah, that happened quick. Again, because our post coach was a strength and conditioning coach, so it really helped. <laughs> me, oh, yeah. I, just, I, I wasn't listening to that shit. I should have, but I wasn't listening to that shit. I was like, hey, they just told me to lift everything Leon lifts. All right. <laughs> the fact that you could even do that, because I don't even think Leon Leon is for all the things he is. He's not someone who like calculates what he's doing, or at least back then. So he, <laughs> they would just put more weight on the thing, and Leon be like, all right, blood, <laughs> and just just push it again. It's like, is that enough? <laughs> Add three more plates. All right, blood. I will, I will never good? co-sign this guy's impression of of Leon. Bro, bro. Tell me he said disrespectful. Eighty percent of what Leon said was all right, blood. All right, like blood. in the in the I'm, in the locker room, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh shoot, that was ridiculous. Uh, Rod, uh, I got I got one more thing here, bro. Yep, we, yep. We, go for need it. To, we need to make a mixtape and the cover of it is gonna be Mike Tyson eating dinner with that white family. Because nothing <laughs> has made me laugh harder than that fucking picture. I was like, how are niggas not using this for everything? I, I was like, that is my new favorite picture, dog. I was like, it's gonna be the background of my laptop, my phone. I was like, like this is the most absurd thing I've ever fucking seen in my life. And he was just going, he was just going along with his story. I was like, nigga, are you looking at that? <laughs> Well, what's interesting is at that scene, they it was a tight shot of my. It showed the picture change behind him, but you couldn't see what it was. So I was like, "What are they hiding back there?" And then when I zoomed out, I was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> there it is." <laughs> He's got his own Dennis Rodman. I've married a white family photo. This is crazy. Facts, but, you know, also, I, Mike Tyson is just Dennis Rodman who figured it out. Like, 
their mm. their stories are very similar in many many ways and it's just dennis couldn't figure it out and mike was lucky enough to figure it out he did it yeah, i think he did <laughs> you think dennis <laughs> figured it out you think dennis I mean, has figured it out i mean dennis is a happy guy is he i can't i can't tell well, that, that, that's because it's not your happiness. Dennis that's has true. always done what Dennis wants to do. Dennis, well, is, Dennis is friends with the leader of North Korea. Like, Dennis does what Dennis wants to do. What I'll say is that there's so many, like, comic I, books that deal with this, like, idea. And I think it's the most famous one would probably be uh, Jean Grey from X-Men. Right? They, like, mm -hmm. they say when she turns into the Phoenix, she's basically, like, uncontrollable, like, her desires come first before all else, and it basically like imperils yeah. the world. I think that's Dennis Rodman. It's like the Phoenix. Like it seems like maybe he's come to the other side, but really he's just like completely beholden to immediate desires only. If it's there, he's gonna. Yeah, do but it. his his desires don't imperil the world. They just you know probably. <laughs> he get was somebody a friend with the leader of North Korea. You just said it. You just said it. <laughs> I was gonna say. I was like, I disagree. I disagree. Just <laughs> look, he's our only diplomat. He's his best he's friend. friends with him. He's <laughs> friends with him. It could be worse. He's our only <laughs> diplomat. That's all. He's I'm a saying. diplomat. We needed one of those. That's so crazy to me. Every time I'm like, hey, about Dennis. Yeah, he tripping, man. We need you to deliver a message. <laughs> I also mean just in terms of Dennis might be happy, but I'm talking about peace at, at the core of who they are and understanding the chaos that they had to go through to be who they are. Mike Tyson has more of that than Dennis has. Like, Dennis seems like, I, I know I fucked up, but who it is who I am. We just got to ride it out till the bricks fall off. And Mike Tyson was like, yeah, I can't do that shit. <laughs> that shit was terrible. I was a product of my environment. And I switched so, up. So it's funny you say that because one of the things I've always wondered about Mike Tyson, and, and these give you a lot more perspective, especially his interviews as of late, into who he really is. Is Mike Tyson a good guy trying to be bad? Or is he a bad guy really just trying his best to be good? With like, which one of those is he at the core? And and you hear these interviews that he's talking about lately, like, man, I got these demons. I'm, I'm, you never, you can't, you you could, you wouldn't last in my world. Like, I feel like Mike Tyson has that it is more on that side of like, he's feel he feels like I need to try and show as much of domestication as I can in order to like. I don't necessarily agree that he's one hundred percent Mike Tyson. One hundred percent Mike Tyson is knocking motherfuckers out. That's that guy. He enjoys that. <laughs> and now he so he's found something else but yeah just you you find a way to live in peace and i think that's more kind of what he is um dennis rodman same thing chaotic chaos is his peace chaos is i want i want dresses and women i want to look weird that's that's where i'm comfortable sitting at in a suburban household with a white picket fence would drive him fucking nuts then he'd be calling kim jong-un for some shit <laughs> you're probably that's right that's, a, that's well said. This is what it is. Well, crazy uh, niggas gonna be crazy. Devon, where can people find you on social medias? Very man. positive content. Oh man, I appreciate that, brother. It's uh, I don't even know. See, I, I'm not used to plugging myself. <laughs> Let's see. Do you really not That's know? The, uh, no, what, I'm trying to figure out what my name is. It's uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> what my I'm name so, is. I'm so excited. Show I'm so up. excited. I'm so excited for the after. Once you're doing tours and shit, you regularly doing interviews, you come back and be like, all right, yeah, so check it out. It's, it's like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Follow me on. <laughs> now nah. somebody got a PR department. 
No, I guess I uh, yeah, I guess I just got a personal Instagram. Really, that's um, <laughs> that's all we got. Well, you don't want people following you when you release the book. You nah, gotta nah, say the thing. No, nah, oh yeah, you're right. D Hardway eighty six. D Hardway eighty six. Yeah, it's a, it's a metaphor because he took D Hardway in his career. You get it? You feel me? Do you get it? And See, he was Rod born in nineteen eighty six. Rod got it. I was gonna use it as a license plate, but it's too long. It's so. way too long. It's not even. Close. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's one of these ones that maybe you could take out the vowels and go for I'll there. take out the vowels. <laughs> it's way too long. Yes, it's way it's too long. It's used as a license plate. It's license plate can be a paragraph. <laughs> like for the whole back of the car. I'm going to oh, take shit. in that picture of Mike Tyson with the white family and be like, yo, can I get this on a license plate? <laughs> yo, honestly, yeah. I want to do that. <laughs> It's it's so funny because I do anticipate, you know, I want to get this book out to people who, who especially like youth athletes, people who are who are bound at some point to deal with some kind of adversity in life. That's the whole the whole theme of the book is just bounce back, get your ass back up whenever you get down, you know, and, that, and that's really the thing. So it's 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 funny to think about. I do want to get it out to a crowd and, and I, I have that in my mind, but. Right now, my Instagram is all just pictures of my kids and stuff. Like, I'm really just, I haven't gotten in that mind frame of start to promote yet so much. Although, it, I, you know, I post a couple of things and talking to you now, but yeah. Oh, well, that's great because uh, white people love photos of black children. I was so about to say, it's, they, real, it's real good content. Truly can't get man. enough of it. They <laughs> I got love the cute a little black, black kids. baby. <laughs> love cute black kids, man. Promise you. <laughs> Promoting the story and just keep dropping them cute baby pictures. <laughs> Well, all right, man. It's time to it's time to call it here. But uh, appreciate you coming on. You had some real good shit man. to say, like I knew you would, my guy. I appreciate you, brother. It's a uh, yeah, it's a step a step out of the norm for me. I'm trying to get used to this speaking thing, so I can. Uh, I, one thing I'll leave it with, man, is is I do appreciate it, the leadership, man. You you, if anything, you've never been a follower. Never been a follower. You've always marched your own path. You've always been a leader and. And, you know, I, I've been happy to follow you at times and follow your lead with a lot of different things. So, um, man, I just appreciate you. We need leaders right now, especially with all the just crazy stuff going on in the world these days. It's too much weakness out front and weakness is loud as hell. And there's too many people that, that just cowards out front. Man, we need people, positive people out there leading the way. And, and you brothers, I really appreciate what you're doing. Wow, thank you. It took my whole instinct to say "fuck that shit," Rod ain't shit. But I was like, "That was a really good message." That was a really good message. So I was like, "Shit, I can't say it." No. Hey man, <laughs> maybe both no, no, can be no, true. Go, go ahead. Yeah, That's the type of shit he would do to me. Like, oh, trust me, I try to find ways to get under Rod's skin. If you have any suggestions, let me know. Call him on the shit. Yeah. Shit. Devon, I'll send you my script and just send back a bunch of notes. And no positivity will really, will really work. All right, man. I'm going to hang up. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, no. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.